Hi, beautiful beings. Welcome to the Soulful and Authentic Podcast. I'm Joanne Oswald-Jones, your host, and this is episode eight of season one, The Task Ahead is Never as Great as the Power Within. And today's conversation is with the wonderful Lucy Jane. Lucy is the founder and director of the High on Life brand, and she is a woman's self-empowerment coach and addictive behavior mentor. In her early years and in her younger years, Lucy experienced horrendous bullying, which led her to believe in the message of the very people who were bullying her, which was that she was not enough, she was not pretty enough, and that there was something wrong with her. Desperately, desperately wanting to escape those thoughts and those feelings and the pain and reality, Lucy would frequently anaesthetise herself with drugs and alcohol until one day she had an awakening, an incredible awakening. And she not only found her strength within, but she became so profoundly aware that she was not her thoughts. These thoughts were not who she was and who she is. Since then, Lucy has gone on to not only change her life beyond all measure, she has helped so many other amazing women out there transform their lives too. So I'm so looking forward to this conversation. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Lucy, it's so great to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Good. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Listen, I know there are so many listeners out there today that are really looking forward to hearing not only your personal story, but that really want to learn more about self-empowerment and how to navigate the times in our lives when, you know, when we feel that we lack that strength within. So we basically go outside of ourselves and look for something to prop us up or numb the pain or to just basically escape our reality. And I know that's something that you're an expert in and that's what your your coaching is all about and your addictive behavior um, work is all about as well. So I think, I know, I know, and I'm so excited because I know that hearing those teachings is going to be of great value to people. So I really can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Um, and so listen, I mean, obviously we've all had our own personal journeys and we've all had our own challenges and struggles. Um, Can we go back to the beginning so you can help us understand how you got into this work of being this self-empowerment coach? Yeah, sure. Yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, so when I was um, basically I've had to overcome, just to give a summary and then I'll go into it, but I've had to overcome lots of addictions, um, drink, drugs, smoking, smoking. you know, uh, an addiction to really being at rage, like uh, having an extreme amount of rage in me and not um, projecting that out on people. So I've had all sorts of things that I've had to shift through. Um, And it really started when I was a little girl. Um, You know, who knows exactly what, why I didn't feel as confident as I did, but it was never really modeled to me how to handle emotion. It was just kind of rejected. And, you know, 20 years ago, well, more than that, you know, 30 years ago now, there wasn't much talk about well-being and emotions and anything. There just wasn't the conversation. There was no, you know. Self-empowerment. It didn't exist, right? 
No, so and neither neither did um, this being out of balance. You know, when you you mentioned their addiction to you know sort of cigarettes, blah, 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 people just sometimes think of addiction as just being addicted to say a, a, a class A drug. But when we're out of balance, it's addiction to everything, right? Basically, needing something in order. Coffee. We even had like you know when my body doesn't want any more coffee, I still go for another coffee, almost to just shift the state. Always needing to change the state, I think is, or escape or distract or avoid, right? Yeah. Um, and just to feel like you can sit still, not be restless, that kind of feeling. So um, I um, had a difficult time in my teenage years, probably, uh, you know, because I was bullied, I was I was bullied for the way I looked, and basically what that led to was me feeling there was something wrong with me. People were telling me there was something wrong with me. It wasn't just my, you know, oh, your own personal it, thought. Yeah, it wasn't like a one-off thing. It was like repeated week in week out. I would go out in the street, and the boys that would hang around with my friends would pick on me so and then it became like this huge thing in my area so all the boys that knew the other boys in different areas so I couldn't get away from it you know and they would just sometimes be fine and other times they would just hone in on me and like pick on me in front of loads of people and it was just like this happened for like years so there was just this obvious thing that I wasn't I was not like as good as the other girls right it was just that was what was presented isn't that so crazy when you think how beautiful you are and how beautiful we all are and yet you experience that I think bullying is um gotta be one of the hardest things psychologically to cope with I mean now I understand why they were like that but I didn't have the courage to because it wasn't them it was me that had the problem there was no reason to leave them alone there was no reason to not be around those people because it was like no they're seeing something in me that's wrong so I is that what you were thinking you know I need to be more like these people (laughs) which is just crazy now but you you don't know that when you're a young developing person right so um, you're trying to you're trying to fit in you're trying to be like you're trying to get validation outside of yourself yeah from the people who are telling you something wrong with you (laughs) so it's like well eventually I'll just be better and they will like me something like that and so that went on for a long time then I had an operation on my face and it was amazing how much that Uh, impacted how people responded to me but the damage internally had been done so I would you know still have very low self-esteem I was you know sleep with boys when because that's how I got that connection with them that's what they wanted so that was like my way of you know and and then it and then I did grow up I did start to get more confident but I was so hooked on drug and drinks by that point because that was what happened was is that when I would drink, I wouldn't freeze up as much. I wasn't so intimidated by everyone and I was more happy and more myself. And so people responded differently to that. And so I became identified with myself yeah. needing these drink and drugs. 
Uh, so that kind of became the, um, oh, that, that helps me to that state. And, and that's seeking outside. Yeah. Okay. That was the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was in, uh, it was like, well, to take that away from me would have been like, but you're taking away your social life or you're taking away, and it means so much to you at that time. It doesn't mean anything to me now. I never want to go out at all. But <laughs> I'm like, great. We never never so uh, the power of self-development and growth, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's I read something the other day about Jim Carrey and he said, you know, solitude is so addictive. And I thought, it is. Anyway, um, but anyway, I've got, you know, family around me now, so it's different. But, um, yeah, so it was like, you can't take that away from me. And basically got really, it just became you know, when you initially get that high and you feel really confident and then after a while, you know, you just are in that loop and it just became more and more dingy. The older I got, more it was just like, you're not getting high anymore. You're just okay on it, right? And you noticed that that was a real physical thing, that the initial high was no longer as powerful as it was back then. So Absolutely, yeah. yeah give me anything the people I was hanging around with I wasn't really even that bothered about I was doing it because they were uh associated with drugs so you know it was like everything it was evolved around just doing cocaine basically cocaine was my biggest thing like that was the thing I would crave the most be most it would have most obsession around okay and so everything became about that. I mean, it's a very, it's a highly addictive drug. It is. Mind you, so is sugar, right? Yeah. <laughs> so is sugar. And, you know, we, we've had this conversation, don't we, where we say no one says, oh, Joanne can't handle her sugar very well. But, yeah. you know, suddenly, oh, but Joanne can't handle her cocaine or she can't handle her wine. There's such a stigma against certain um, habits, yeah. attachments and habits, right? Yeah. And I suppose the association with sugar never changed my brain enough for me to associate that much pleasure with it. But it was, the cocaine gave me some kind of uh, amplified confidence, which you don't, I didn't get from sugar. It was, it it was less of, it wasn't just about distracting. It was about who I became. Right. Drug. So, um, you know, uber confident and just like had so many downloads and so much kind of, um, it created richness, but it was so short lived. And then the come down so bad that it's like, you just keep needing more, keep needing more. So when you said downloads, then what did you mean by that? You said, you know, so many downloads sort of like it, sh- it amplified your confidence and it amplified my high. My, I, so um, not just cocaine, but also other drugs like um, ecstasy and not so much drinking, interestingly enough. Um, uh, but I would get like all sorts, I'd have a feeling of being so elevated that I would have all these ideas come through and I would see oh, life okay. differently. So it's a heightened state of consciousness. Yeah. I now know how to access um, without that, but I didn't know that at the time. And so the drugs were, you know, my, what it would do is that you're, whatever's occurring, all the heavy things, that. security and stuff drops. And what's left 
is this connected state, which we all are, but we have all this stuff in the way. We have all this gunk in the way. What's so wonderful is that now as a self-empowerment and addictive behavior mentors, I mean, you should bottle this and sell this stuff for bloody millions, you know, that you, you know how to access higher states of awareness and consciousness without having to go down the route of something that eventually takes from you. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I love it. Sell it for millions. <laughs> the problem is the reason drugs are so uh, sought after is they're so well marketed because you can actually bottle them up. It's the same with nutrition, right? It's the same yeah. nutrition. You can't sell tomatoes because everyone grows them. You can grow them for next to nothing. There's no money to be made for the people uh, who... And, you know, what's so silly about money is money's an energy and it's all around us and you can tap into it whenever you want. So it's this perception, isn't it? Of yeah. it, It's so true. It's this perception that money is um, bad or like you can only get things that aren't good for you with money rather than things that are good for you. Yeah, yeah. We need Absolutely. to change the conversation around that. That's another conversation we'll have. Absolutely. So we get... Um hooked on things that cost money yeah we would have to talk about that separately I don't want to veer off but I can feel myself <laughs> yeah me too exactly but we'll stick back to the um, elevated heightened state that the drugs were giving you yeah and what you were saying earlier is that actually you know you wouldn't give up binge, uh, eating and it's the same with wine and for me it was like so you're telling me to be sober so the opposite of what you know binge drinking or binge eating is it's like not having sugar or not having alcohol but it's not right it's actually having this altered state in another place these things no longer are needed and johan um i'm so rubbish with his name joe johan hari right um i think it's how it definitely isn't how you pronounce it probably but anyway um he said the opposite of uh, addiction is not sobriety it's connection oh I love that yeah yeah so and 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 they did a test on rats where they uh put the rat in the thing with heroin in a tube and it just had two options water or heroin and it would just have I mean I just don't know who how, how people are allowed to do these things but they do right so they I know I hear you and it went round and round um and it kept getting hooked on the heroin right so so the okay, heroin is addictive. That's what the the thing is. Is that uh, this is the thing that we've come to realise is that having heroin is more addictive than having water or yeah whatever. But he also makes the point that people basically having heroin every time they have morphine in hospital, but people don't come out or rarely come out hooked, right? So it's not the drug, it's the, the state of mind or the environment. And I talk about inner environment, not just the external environment, the inner, the inner environment, like the thoughts, the thinking, uh, the pain, the emotional trauma, pain, whatever. That environment is what makes drink, drugs, all of those things so addictive. 100%. 100%. Which is why you binge on sugar. Like, it's like you can have sugar as a treat but to become addicted to it it must mean you're trying to numb something else out yeah numb something else out or you've associated more pleasure than your everyday life with this little distraction so um then um basically 
uh, yeah, and then they put these rats in uh, the same tubes, but they built like a park, like a, a theme park around <laughs> them with it's where they could run around and do all these fun things. And they stopped going for the heroin. Wow. Okay. So they um, were connected with the joy of life. Yeah. Right. So they had other, you know, and so it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's addictive if there's nothing else for you. Right. Which is why I'm so focused on pleasure, not sobriety. I think that is so smart because I think what you've just said is so, so smart. I love that. What did you say? It's about it's about connection rather than sobriety. So connection, I'm assuming you're saying um, connection with the divine, connection with your higher self, connection with the all benevolent loving universe. Yeah, the feeling and life. of drugs. Right. Right. The tightened state you get to maybe not the chemical it's not going to be as it's it's going to, it's not going to be the same as being on LSD or it's not going to be quite as top, like um, as p- uh, powerful in terms of your whole body being changed, but it's the peace and the joy and the ability to say what you want and to have a laugh and to feel like you find things funny and not everything's grey. That kind of like. It's that we need to teach this in school. We need to teach this to our younger generation. I mean, Lucy, I know you're this amazing self empowerment coach, but you need to sell these programs to 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 younger children as well to school about that connection with life. Yeah, Um, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) sorry. Carry on. Carry on. Um, It's yeah. People, I think the problem is is people don't believe that they don't know they don't know any different and I think that's the problem they just associate life with so much pain or boring or hard or stress and they, they don't, don't know how to ask. It. they yeah. don't really believe that it's possible for them yeah you're so true and you know my work in mind body being work and personal development you just have to ask you just have to ask your higher self and ask I think and I think this this connection this word connection that you you know we use and you've been using it's um it is it's all about connection I think people feel so disconnected and when you feel so disconnected, you feel so alone and you feel so disempowered. And then it's so easy to reach outside of yourself. But, you know, for you as a young girl to experience that disconnection, how how sort of sad is that? Because, you know, and I think it's not just you. I think many of us have grown up as youngsters not having that teaching and that, you know, support around us of thinking that we are awesome and powerful and capable you know because we live in a fear-driven society yeah absolutely yeah and and most you know our teachers the people that have most influence over us are also in pain so it's um passed down I think there's an obvious shift happening now with the internet and stuff we're so uh in a way, I know there's lots of problems with it, but also lucky that people can access huge amount of information and knowledge on these kinds of things. Um, And so uh, it's very different. Um, And that, you know, mindfulness is being taught in schools now, and there's just a kind of massive shift on mental well-being, isn't there? And I think that's got to have a huge impact. I mean, now apparently a third of, a third 
of teenagers don't drink. Yeah, so, I think that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's countries now. Yeah, I remember <laughs> when yeah. I was that age. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back to where you were. So you were saying you were at that point where, um, you know, it was connecting with the elevated um, states of consciousness when you were doing drugs, but yeah. you were beginning to realize that you were with people that weren't of service to you, but you were trapped in this cycle of just keeping going back for more. Yeah. And then, and then uh, um, I luckily, when I was tw- 26, just uh, had this three day cocaine binge and um you know I was so done with it I got so used to it but I was also so like I had no idea how I was ever gonna get out of it I just couldn't imagine does it affect was it affecting your physical health you know so aside from the 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 mental sort of disassociation with pain and trauma um physically was it beginning to to affect your health yeah, do you know what? I think I was young enough to manage it, to be honest. Um, I was sl- very slim. Um, I had psoriasis. I still got psoriasis. That hasn't really changed an awful lot. It has, but it it, w- it would be a lot worse back then. Um, but it was more my mental well-being. I was so... I could be so... Like when I was coming down off coke, I remember being in a relationship and just being so empty and so mean. I could be so mean to my partner because it was just, I was just so soulless. There was no being in there. There was no love. There was no love. There was, I was just an empty tank. And um, asking if he took drugs as well, was he taking? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just wanted to check whether whether he was like this sort of you know angelic sort of soul over here, not touching. I was just you know setting. Yeah, this I know. My my partner now says he wouldn't have been, been interested in me, and he's right. I would have found him. It would be boring. It would seem boring to me if we weren't able to go out and. Because it was the because the high was high, you know, it was raining, it was dancing, it was euphoric. It wasn't like just making a chicken casserole and having a glass of wine with your loved one on a Friday night, right? And if it had just been about when we went to raves and stuff, maybe I would never get out of it. But it became, you know, every day had to be something. So I'd have to smoke weed or have wine or have something in order to feel like I was okay you know just feel normal it was like it's exhausting yeah it is exhausting but you do build up a massive tolerance so it's kind of just like the biggest impact was definitely on my my mind absolutely okay. really awful just empty soulless can't even imagine being like that now like I, I can I have waves I've had depression in the past few years it's not it's not like uh, I've never got down. It's not about down. it's not about not being down. It's about how I relate to that and not yeah. needing to change it, not needing to get, get out of it immediately. Mm. It just doesn't even occur to me to drink when I'm down. And I, I think that's. I think, I think you're right. There's a tendency, isn't there? You know, uh, I, I there's something I've written in my book when I say that you know we we often get thrown um, off balance with life's uncomfortable experiences 
And it's not so much about trying to escape that, but learning to sit in that uncomfortableness because it's just your soul and your higher self and, and the divine and God just saying something needs changing. So, you know, when you can become comfortable in the uncomfortableness, you eventually get the answer and then you can channel that energy somewhere else. So you're being shown that something just needs to personally develop, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was 26, I mean, there's so many layers to it, but at that point I wouldn't have even been receptive. This is the other thing. I really just don't think I would have been receptive to uh, hearing even someone like me. Honestly, I just don't think that I would have, it wouldn't have even like, I don't know. Trajectory. Yeah, because it would have meant, it still meant that giving, it was all about the giving up of the drug, right? It was all about that. And that seemed so unappealing to me (laughs) at the same time. I knew that's exactly what I needed. So anyway, I was 26 and I just had this three-day binge. So I hadn't slept for three days, could never sleep, never could sleep, which was always the worst part of it. Lots of people could sleep. I used to be so jealous that they could do drugs and then just fall asleep. Because I just because then you just wear it off, and if I had been able to sleep, maybe it would have been less painful. In which case, maybe I wouldn't have been so desperate to get the hell out of it. Um, and then it, I would have managed it easier. Yeah. Right. So it's it's trusting in that whole situation that you were yeah. in as well, right? It was leading you somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But I I wasn't spiritual. I wasn't not spiritual. I wasn't uh, like I kind of must have been interested in tarot cards or something like that. I just found it quite interesting. But I was never like closed, but I wasn't open. I wasn't seeking a spiritual path or anything. And then um had was reading the book, The Secret. This is 2012. So I was reading the book, The Secret, three days after my birthday, wasn't sleeping. And I was just reading it. And then it must have said something. And what I saw was, uh, I think, I mean, the, the experience I had was not the mental understanding of what the book was saying, but it was like I had this huge shift all of a sudden, like everything Almost like I woke up. It's almost like I was reborn. It was like, oh my god, like awakening. The room in this, like as as the room was, and I saw it. It's really beautiful, and the colours were so bright. And it was like I had been in a nightmare, and then I woke up. And so wow, I feel like you get that feeling of, um, oh thank God it's a nightmare. <laughs> thank God it was that was just a dream when you wake up. Really, it was that profound. It's that kind, yeah. And it, the, my hand, I saw my hand, and I was looking at my hand like, is that my hand? It was so uh, bizarre. And I was just like, um, but there was a mental understanding. And I think now looking back, what it had been is that there has find I had, I had seen I wasn't my thoughts for the first time. I really wow. heard it, but actually got a sense that there was me and then there was my thoughts right and that there was amazing what a shift yeah so um and automatically I was just in love that's how it felt like I was just in awe and in love with life and I was like I get it I get now where all this pain has been coming from um and so uh 
Can I just ask, you said, because just before you you talked about having this amazing awakening and reading The Secret, you said you weren't kind of spiritually minded or, or it wasn't really your main sort of belief system. Why did you have the book The Secret? Where did the book come from? We'd been in London. So me and my boyfriend had been in London for my birthday, stayed in a hotel. And then we were just standing outside this spiritual bookshop in um London, which is kind okay. of now, but it was near Oxford Street. Uh, it was near um, that square, that square, Leicester Square, right mm-hmm. near Leicester Square. And um, we just were talking, and then we turned around. There was this bookshop. We went, should we go in there? And my partner was. We we must have been interested in it on some level, but we weren't like. I wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. I just went in and then I I think I'd always been inter- a little bit interested in personal development. Now I'm thinking about it. There must have been some link with self-help on yeah. some level, but I didn't have lots of books. And then it said The Secret. So the book is like really well marketed, right? It's like The Secret. Like, what's The Secret? So <laughs> I found The Secret. Anyway. Um, it's a, but, it, but, you know, I, I asked the question because I really believe, you know, we're all being led to self-empowerment and self-help. And like you, I've often bought books. I was in a couple of episodes ago on the show, I was talking about uh, Conversations with God, with Neil Walsh. So a couple of books that I'd had. And I had bought those books two years prior and they were in my I had a natural health clinic at the time and they were on my bookshelf in the clinic but I never read them until the moment I was being guided to really needing that information and they kind of flew off the shelf so that's why I was interested as to how how come you had the secret where you know but yeah 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 yeah. your higher self that you selected it it was selected for you yes and then I and then we carried on drinking so we were we carried on drinking and binging and then it was like this and then we'd gone home and then we were in my house doing the same thing. And then it was like, then I went to bed and had this book and then couldn't sleep. And then that's where I read this book. And it must've been that my, my psychic, cause I was so wrecked, just this awful argument with my partner. And uh, I was so wrecked and just like, oh, well, I better read this book then. And it must've been where my, mind had almost calmed down enough to, for something to like explode wow. yeah where I was completely broken basically um exhausted obviously so um I feel very blessed um and immediately didn't really feel immediately wanted to start learning about all sorts of stuff then like I looked into uh, life coaching and I was looking into crystals and I was doing all this kind of like all of it so fast. just wanting to share yeah, yeah and then I created the high and life brand but what was interesting is that what what was being taught in the book was positive thinking and I was like I hadn't positive thought so it was like this mismatch because what I had had was an awakening but it, and it had been like the book had been a catalyst but what it was teaching was that you program kind of you have to think in a certain way. And I hadn't done any thinking at all. I had just sat there like like a mom, like reading this book. Yeah. So thing, I hadn't done what the book had said, but the realisation was, I suppose, that thought creates. That's what's going on. Yeah, and thought creates action. And yeah, yeah, thoughts create things. 
yeah, and it all like it was a realization of my power, I suppose, without me knowing any of like I can speak about it now because I've done 10 years of you know processing of it, but um, at the time, it was just like, oh my god, this is the answer, this is the answer, I get it. Like, and so, um, isn't it awesome when you get that? You just go, oh my, how has it taken so long to understand yeah. this? Yeah. And I was just trying to, like, kind of, with my, my first business, trying to just, like, inject it into people or something. And then, you know, like, trying to, like, don't see, don't see, look, like, like <laughs> see what's around us. Don't you see your thoughts? Like, and um, I think my vibe must have impacted people enough on some level because I was so passionate. But I didn't really have the process to take people through what I would consider a recovery program no one has to get people to have an insight like that I didn't there was no it wasn't about positive thinking because I didn't do that I didn't do that it just occurred so I then quite quickly became uh, a bit lost in my own understanding I did do some coaching and uh, a guy called Jamie Smart and what he teaches is very similar to what I I will always teach what he that because he talks about insight he talks about having a new thought, a new outlook. He doesn't talk about programming the way there. And so, uh, and actually what you teach, The Course in Miracles, all of that's very yeah. similar, like changing the perception and just, but not by... You're working through the illusion of what we feel to what actually is the reality, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you have to have... Who knows when someone's going to hear it in the way they need to hear it but it's just it's this crack yeah current consciousness this crack in the layers and layers of conditioning yeah. and just a little crack can help but also you know now it's like breath work breath work has been profound because I, I did dip again after having my son um and so, you know, I did start drinking again more than I would like because I was dealing with a body that was overstressed um, after the birth. And I just didn't really come down from a chronic level of stress. I just got so yeah. used to being so hypervigilant and so con- like anxious. And I just got used to that and then realised that that was my body in like still like... Um, Flight mode. Flight mode, Yeah. So uh, then I started doing breath work and I got so much bliss from this breath work. So it was like, thank God I went through that in order to find the breath work, right? So Yeah, because it's a process of putting all your tools in a bag and then sort of working it all out so that then you can be of service to humanity. And to I I can't wait to hear about all these amazing women that you're 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 helping with your with your new business. It's incredible. So yeah, so it's another tool. Exactly. And even and, and then also the other tool is that that has been really working with dealing with cravings and actually that being in the moment when you want something but don't know whether to have it or not um, is actually not fighting the craving, but to go with the craving and uh, learn, reteach the brain. You have to dissociate the pleasure and associate pleasure with other things. And I don't just mean you have to get into the body in order to do that. So mindfulness. Yeah really profound I just had a client who uh was just in the typical cycle which she would binge mindlessly binge then beat herself up then might and then you're in that guilt shame cycle so 
when you're in shame, you want to get out of it. So your body's like, go and binge again. So yeah. you're, it's just a cycle. It's the pain pleasure trap all the time, isn't it? Yeah. And it, it that's, it's so, it's so hard to get out of until I found the work of someone called Dr. Brewer, Dr. Judson Brewer. And he's like, you're, by fighting the craving, you're actually, so, you're, you're creating more of this can't have it so you want it. Giving it more power. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. And actually, if you go with the craving and you use mindfulness, there was a, what I found with drinking was that there was only a certain amount of time that I actually got the pleasure from the taste of the wine because it was wine it was never just alcohol I didn't just want it numb out anymore it wasn't about it there was something about in the end it was just something about the glass and having that me time and all of that associated with it so I can still have that now but I don't need even a full glass to get the same experience and the taste isn't as good as you think it is 100 percent watch you don't even know what you're getting from it because the story automatic story is that this is all I need you know like and this relief from the craving (laughs) so getting relief from wanting something so obviously you feel better but do you do you with your clients do you um so if let's say we look at a craving which is normally a so let's say somebody is just wanting to be anesthetized they've had a really stressful week and their go-to if you like the, the relationship that they have had has been with let's take wine or, or cigarettes right so um do you do you take them through a process where they they have that realization that that needing that yearning or that wanting can be done with a really lovely luxurious hot bath with essential oils and a really lovely mug of macaron cacao chocolate elixir so you so you so it's helping them realize the joy in just every other thing that's not going to destroy them but the wonderful things in life such as self-care with a beautiful bath and yeah okay yeah. The, the the mind's not going to be sold on that if you just tell them that they have to experience it in the body so the body the 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 rational mind is what we're talking from now is this kind of normal state where we're not triggered we're not in uh fight or flight we're just you know everything seems logical and everything's like you know yeah makes sense but when you're triggered or you're in a a strong craving or a strong, there's a strong association with having this wine or this thing. So it could be even a positive association where you go out with your friends. It's like, but I could never not get completely hammered. What would we do? <laughs> get completely hammered. You know, like, and actually sometimes it's like, yeah, you wouldn't even be friends with these people. But, <laughs> <laughs> but suddenly they're your best friends, that crew over there. <laughs> do shit. Because actually it's like, so you're literally doing, you're just hanging around with them because they're someone to get off your face with but often it's not that it's that you've made this story that you can't be happy without it and so you're living in that association rather than living in the body and actually not knowing actually letting the body see okay am I actually unhappy now where am I feeling the unpleasant feeling and then noting when you're not feeling unhappy and it's so it's not about getting rid of the wine immediately because your body's going to be like but I I really want that it's like okay have the wine at what point do you feel better 
is it when you have the wine or is it just before you put it in your mouth because you've now decided you can have it like oh now there's wine in this house i feel all right in which case it's not the wine it's the dropping of the thought right and then it's like uh or for me it was like yeah i'm just gonna go and get one so it would be me in the car on the way to the shop to get it i would feel better it was never the wine itself right and it was like so then it's like, okay, so, and then you're tasting it. It's like, oh, am I getting loads of pleasure from this? How, mm, that taste is nice the first time. What does it taste like? Okay. At what point does it not be that great, right? How long does it last? If you drink two, how long does it, how long do you stay giddy for? And how long before you need another one? And it's just literally tracking it, tracking, tracking, tracking. Mm. And what happens is, is that, for me, I just noticed that I was getting a bit tired. Actually, was just getting a bit tired. I wasn't even getting the thing that I thought I was getting. The, the thing that I thought I was getting was actually just a relief from wanting something, wanting, 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 which is stressful. So then what happens is you become disenchanted. Mm. You become disenchanted with this thing and you can become enchanted, like you're saying, with yeah. other things. But you don't force yeah just notice yeah it does the work for you and do you do um like the power of um so I know with me if I want to change a habit or I want to um work on my personal development and my self-care you know I I go within and I ask for that power within me to 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 show me you know because I think sometimes like we said earlier on that you you do become disconnected with your strength within and actually we have so much power within so I personally do a lot of that I you know I will sit and analyze well why am I doing this and actually it's taking more for me so I'm not drinking I don't drink at the moment and I'm not putting a label on that um you know it's this thought that you know a a nice um, glass of red wine with some friends or a bolognese or something is gorgeous right but actually the reality is when I have a drink um it does dip me into anxiety and I don't feel great the next day I feel so more connected and more powerful not drinking than I do drinking so I just don't drink at the moment and you know that might be a year it might be two years it might be another two months there's there's no there's no sort of I have to do this um but the longer I don't have it the more I tap into how I have all the resources within me to deal with whatever I need to deal with and finding pleasure in my morning walks or my, do you see what I mean? So it's, there is actual pleasure. There's, there's pleasure without pain with breath work, for instance, but also there is also the spiritual understanding that's required because if you're just going back to a life where you're dealing with masses of negative thinking and, cynicism and uh rage and so it doesn't matter about that level of behavior doesn't really matter because it's just gonna even if you get rid of the wine it's gonna go somewhere else which is why I've been addicted to multiple things because it's like because it just needs to get you're just trying to get out of that feeling versus just so there's layers there's the behavior when there's the behavior but there's also what is the trauma within the body yeah yeah Yeah. because the craving will still come after you've well it didn't for me with coke but I think that's because I'd already realized how much pain I was getting from coke but I still I still had to have it because it was much it was still better for that short time 
than it was to be in me right yeah. and so if you're it depends where you're at yeah on your on your journey on your self-care and self-love you are internally. yeah that's what I'm talking about this internal environment that you think yeah. about the rats what environment have you got it could be physical environment but it's made slightly to be uh could it's be all three isn't it relationship or something could be that or it could be I'm just I'm just so like I just am so used to feeling like a piece of crap internally like that I'm not good enough or that I'm just anxious all the time and so then whether you get rid of that wine or not you're going to need to find it you're going to need to deal with that uh, and that's where the that's where the work with you comes in the self-empowerment the addictive behavior work I mean that that's what it's all about isn't it ultimately tapping into that strength within the, the realization of who we really are yeah, that's it that we're not it's amazing ever create yeah anything we're 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 before thought so anything you think is not us it can't be us no you're absolutely so do you so because I know there are people out there I know some people left messages on social media saying really excited to listen to this you know I'm going to listen to this so um do you offer like a discovery call do you offer do you work with women do you work with men or is it just like you're a woman's empowerment coach yeah, I think I would work with men. I've just kind of, there's topics that I talk about that I think women specifically deal with, like I think with like, you know, this big emotion, like rage and, and not disowning these huge, great big sensitive parts of ourselves. I'm sure men get that as well, but I do think there was a safety in my marketing. So I have a Facebook group for women, but I am open to working with men one-to-one. Okay. But the group is for women because I think there's a, it's a safety safety thing yeah yeah okay that's amazing and so um because what I'm going to do is obviously I will in this episode's information I can I can link your Facebook group page or your or you know your, your information um because I really think it's what you're doing is just so needed in the world today and especially given you know um the the transition that's going on around the world and what's happened in the last sort of 20 months and where we're moving to, which I think, which I personally believe is a, a much higher state of consciousness and, and a new world emerging. So there's a lot of change out there and a lot of fear out there. So, you know. Yeah. And I think I, I just feel very blessed as you do probably that actually, and this is a real, it can't be, you have to, you can't know it until you know it, but it, it doesn't matter what's going on. You can find peace. You can have an internal peace regardless. Is why you look at people like, and he thinks, if, what if I just did the perfect life? You look at Robin Williams, he committed suicide, right? I mean, everyone loved him, great actor, massively rich. What else could you want? Then the other side of it is now Simandella managed to find peace in prison all that time. Yeah. So it's like, that's the reality, but we're so fixated, we're so marketed to every day that we need these things. It's so inbuilt. We can't even get rid of it. You can't even. That's the ego. Yeah. yeah. That's you the ego. Yeah. That, that actually you can see these things and not have the fear that is automatically kind of society expects you to have the fear but it's actually not required because the fear is sourced from within just as the peace is sourced from within 
Yeah. And what we're saying there, just for anyone listening, if anyone's saying, if anyone's thinking Lucy and I are saying that it's wrong to desire or it's wrong to have things, it's absolutely not. You you know, we're, we're all, you know, the divine um, and the energy of money wants us to have as much as we like. But it's about actually having your peace within first, because a lot of the time people will go out and they will make a, a purchase based on coming from fear rather than, oh, I'd really desire that because I love the story behind the company. Or I, or I love the way they treat their staff, and actually, I'm looking for some new makeup. So it's it's how you make those decisions, right? Absolutely, it's where the the consciousness that you're coming from. So if it's coming from, just the same with the wine, if it's spending, I was seeking wine to get me, like it was just like God or something, you know, like I'm seeking it to get that peace. Versus, I have peace, but oh, it's nice to have a little bit extra. Yeah, Yeah. like I have so much peace, but Lucy and I are going to get together and we're going to go and buy a beautiful vegan, gorgeous wine and some lovely nutritious food and have a great time. It's a very different energy. Exactly. So, um, and everyone can relate to that, actually. So everyone knows that because there's some things that they haven't associated with like me with sugar, I never got into sugar. It just wasn't a thing. I can eat sugar. I can eat a bowl of sweets and not be addicted to it. Yeah. Right. So whereas for someone else, it would be if I eat a bowl of sweets, then that's it. I'm off again. I'm never going to come back from the video all day. Right. So I'm taking my bowl and my sweets with me and I'm gone. Yeah, I'm just going to go sit myself in a bunch of Haribo. Right. So, <laughs> so that was me with wine. That was me with Coke. It was like, I had to distance myself from the substance, but I didn't ever really have to do that. And that's what I noticed is I actually know I need to feel better. And then this attachment will release. So um, what were we saying? Just to say, I love what you've just said because so, um, and, and this is no disrespect to to any program out there such as AA. And I don't under, I don't know all their teachings. I really don't. But what I really think is so powerful about what you have said is it's it's not that you're an addict. Like okay, so the, the problem is using that kind of word. In in my opinion, and I really love your expertise. In my opinion, when you label something, it's actually very disempowering for that person. So yeah. when they start to realize that changing the behavior from within and tapping into their wholeness of who they are means that that what was out of balance can now become more balanced, and so therefore you don't need to be labeled as a drunk, as a drug addict, as a fast food junkie, you, you know, there's no, there's no attachment there. And I think that's so powerful what you say. Yeah. And and that's what happened with me with the cocaine that I didn't. So when I first had this shift, I was doing having coke like three, four times a week. So it'd be every time I would be in a social environment, I would just get a tiny bit, even just get a tiny bit. And then that would just give me that like, Okay, I've got this tiny bit. So I never even, I wasn't like a big, I didn't have enough money to spend on it. But I would get a line or get, you know, have my own little bit in my pocket and I could just go to the toilet and I could just use it. And so then when I had this shift, I didn't do it for three months, but I did do it again. I did do it again. I had it, but this, we were at this thing and the association was still there and it was like right in front of me and I did it and I got high. And then I didn't get addicted again. Right. So I didn't then go off in my 
because this the level of consciousness I got to was no longer dependent on that in order for me to feel safe so I had already had that and then I saw this AA thing and it was all about sobriety and being this and I get it because it does work it's just a different approach but it doesn't work for everyone and the reason it doesn't work for everyone is that not everybody has a spiritual shift in their consciousness so usually what happens in AA is you have a spiritual awakening and that's what they're leading you to but not everyone gets that so then all you are is someone who's feeling the same without the drink right yeah so if you're lucky enough to have a spiritual awakening then that's actually what's doing the work it's not 100% over right it's actually but some people it depends how much they're drinking right so I if they're drinking all day every day then they're not even be able to hear a message or remember there does need to be a gap I suppose in a certain so that your mind can actually adjust to being without that thing um but the focus is very much on once an addict always an addict you and it's all about distrust of your own mind which is also but I can see it's how it's perceived because I agree there is you should distrust your mind but you shouldn't distrust yourself (laughs) right and this idea that you are the addict well no that's just something that's a thought pattern a behavior there's nothing in because you're not broken internally. No, it's we, we are untouchable. We're the same thing in multiple different bodies. Yeah. And there's a body with a mind that may have a predisposition to drink over, I don't know, be violent or something when they're low, right? Because other people yeah. have. It's just how the association, it's how they've learned how to cope or be. So it could be that that mind is predisposed for addiction but not if you're in your healthy self yes so uh and you can so and I kind of knew that when I I went to AA to try because I then got obsessed with being pure for a little while like I had to be completely pure and actually didn't work because there was all sorts of stuff about you know you can't be in a relationship because that's going to be your attachment. Everything became the attachment. Well, that's that's actually fear. I mean, that yeah. is a model driven on fear. Yeah. To be honest, fear is a motivator. Yeah, fear is a massive motivator. So I think for some people it works because they're so afraid of going that low again, and then hopefully in that period they actually do become enlightened they have that awakening spiritual awakening so if I were to sum your work up because I know um I know you you you've got appointments coming up and so we need to kind of wrap this up but so um for everyone who's listening out there and anyone who's struggling please I will put the links below and really um make contact with Lucy you can make contact with me and I can connect you both together or just if you feel like you need that help make contact but um Am I right in saying, so the essence part, I mean, there's lots to do with self-empowerment and, um, you know, being an addictive behavior mentor. There's, it's, it's a big discussion, one for another chat on a future episode. Um, but in essence, what, if I look at what we've talked about today, in essence, your teaching, for want of a better word, is that it's not about 
being addicted or, or having to be in sobriety. It's about working with the thought patterns to change that to knowing that you can seek that joy and pleasure in just being alive and perhaps jogging, running, just just channeling that, those thoughts, those energies into something else because you can and you have the means to do that. And in a way, that's so much more self-loving and self-serving than putting that energy into something that ultimately is quite destructive. Yeah, absolutely. And and being high on life, the whole high on life is that you, you can reach the heights of peace and joy and love without the drug i love the name of your brand high on life i love it i love it it's okay. high on life with lucy jane yeah and and then and then when you do the breath work you can actually get properly high so you actually reach altered states where your body has like a full body orgasm i'm not joking you can actually get properly properly sign us up girl sign us up and that's just through breathing but God, they don't want you to know that because of course they don't. They can't charge you for your own breath. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Lucy, I can't thank you enough because it's been so insightful and it's such a yeah. you know, one of the one of the big takeaways for me in this, for anyone who who is out there suffering and thinking that they're addictive and that there's something wrong with them. There's absolutely not. It is a change in perception. It's a change in thought. It's a change in direction. And Lucy can help you with that, folks. If there's anyone out there that um, needs help, just connect with her and, yeah, watch this amazing person help you achieve what you need to achieve. Yeah, sure. So there's the Higher Life Women Club, and I am taking on just a very small number of one-to-one clients to work with me one-to-one. So thank you so much. I've, I've loved it. Wow. What an incredible, inspiring conversation with Lucy. I really hope you've all enjoyed hearing Lucy's story today. If anyone, anyone is out there struggling and looking for help, just reach out. I'll leave Lucy's contact details, her social media details in today's episode resources. I'll also put the private Facebook group details there for you. Alternatively, you can connect with me via my website, via Instagram. Yeah, just reach out if you need help. As always, I wish you a wonderful weekend. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, remember that you are truly, truly amazing and you have so much power within you. Have a super weekend and for now, much love.